Welcome to the teaching ministry of Paseo del Rey Church in Chula Vista, California. We invite you to open up your Bibles as we join Pastor Gary Bowman for today's message. Good morning, Paseo del Rey. I am Pastor Gary, and we are glad to have you here. If you're um, this is like your first Sunday here or something like that. Just want to let you know all month is crazy. And uh, that is because I have two and a half sermons left in me as your lead pastor. And so, um, so it's a little bit different this month. And, but we're gonna, I want you to grab your Bible. There's a Bible under the rack in front of you. Um, open up to the book of Hebrews. Uh, chapter 13. It's on page 1215 in the Bible that's behind there. And you've got one, of course, on, in your, uh, your um, uh, phone or your digital device. But Hebrews chapter 13. Now, Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 17, is one of those passages that pastors are fearful to preach and that congregations are fearful to hear. Because this, this passage can be twisted by a pastor to put a load on you that God never meant to be on you. And it can be misconstrued by people in the church to be saying something that it's not. And so, so I preached it to you because it's for your good that you understand what the writer Hebrews is saying to you today. I, so I preached this passage before to you, and I hope it has not been misunderstood. But today, because I only have two and a half sermons left in me, I'm going to preach it with a little more freedom than normal, okay? Because this is not self-serving. I'm on my way out the door as your lead pastor. And so I'm going to be maybe a little stronger than I was two or three years ago when I preached it, or 10 years ago when I preached it, or 25 or 30 years ago when I preached it. It's a good one. So I just encourage you to put on your seatbelts. We're going to have some fun with the passage but I think I might step on a couple of toes. Now, whenever I do that, I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about another church down the way, okay? Not this church. But you might feel a little uncomfortable, and that's okay, because that's what God's Word ought to do, right? It ought to make us, at times, to feel uncomfortable. Uh, one of my preaching profs used to say that one of the jobs of the pastor is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable, right? That's one of the jobs of God's Word and of the pastor. So let's take a look at it. Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 17. Have confidence, or some Bibles translate it, I think, better. Obey your leaders. Have confidence or obey your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Okay, you ready? So the writer of Hebrews, we don't know who he or she was. Some, some of us think it was Priscilla. Some think it was Paul. Some think it was Gary Bowman. No, no one thinks that. Uh, uh, we don't know who the writer of Hebrews is, but for 12 chapters, the writer of Hebrews has been lifting Jesus high. And he's been teaching through 12 chapters, chapters 1, 2, 3, all the way through chapter 12, the supremacy 
and the, and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. That not only is Jesus better than anything else or anyone else, he's the best, right? He's the Lord and master of all, and he, he's supreme and he's sufficient for us. For 12 chapters, that was Paul has been unloading from the Old Testament to show us how Jesus is superior and supreme and sufficient. It's been beautiful. Just an awesome book. And then he makes kind of a, a, a left-hand turn a little bit abruptly when he gets to chapter 13. And what he does when he gets to chapter 13 is he takes this high and wonderful theology and he says, now how does this apply in the church? And he takes off in a way, not completely, but he takes off his theologian hat and he puts on his pastor hat. Now he has them both on because theologians should be pastors and pastors should be theologians. But he maybe, maybe let's say it this way. He turns his hat around now. And now it says pastor. The backside says theologian. He's had the theologian hat on. Now he's switching. He's both. And he shifts gears. And out of the supremacy of Christ, he says, listen, church, here's how you should live this out if you love Jesus Christ, if you understand how supreme and sufficient how, and how he is best. And so in chapter 13, you have this sort of a chain of pastoral encouragements. I love it. For instance, in verse 1, he says, in the church, because Jesus has loved you, you should be loving one another, laying your lives down for each other. In verse 2, he says, Christians, you should care about people who um, uh, are not your, not only care about your family, but you should have a, your front door open to strangers. That's a little radical, isn't it? But that's what he says out of the supremacy of Christ. Those of us who are followers of Christ should have front doors open, not only to our families and not only to our best friends, but to strangers. That's what he says comes out of this theology. In verse 3, he says, you Christians should be concerned and act for and speak up for those who can't speak up for themselves, for the mistreated, for the alien, for the foreigner, for the immigrant. That's what Christians do. It doesn't matter what your culture does. This is what Christians are to do for those who are mistreated, as if you, you should develop empathy for those who are mistreated. And then in verse 4, he gives he, it's kind of a chain. He's switching topics here, but it's, they're all pastoral. In verse 4, he talks about the beautiful sanctity of sexuality within marriage. I'm going to do a whole series on that. 14 weeks. And we're just going to keep going on that. It's a beautiful passage, verse 4. And then in verses 5 to 14, he talk, or verse, verse, uh, verse 5, he begins to talk about being content. This is what Christians should be, is they should never be grumblers, never be complainers, but instead they should be content because Christ is sufficient. And then in verse 9, he begins to speak about be careful in the church not to be carried away by strange doctrines, strange teachings. And you go, oh, I would never do that because I could spot it from a mile away. The writer of Hebrews says, be careful because strange, weird doctrines can break into any church. Watch yourselves and watch your church. Uh, and then in verse uh, 15, he talks about it, this pastoral admonition, worship well. And then he comes to this verse 17 in this chain of pastoral um, uh, uh, admonishments, pastors, pastoral encouragements, and he gives us two commands. Pastors give commands. Pastors don't just always say, hey, why don't, you, why don't you think about loving your wife? Why don't you think about forgiving them? No, pastors give commands. And the writer of this book 
says, we too, because of the supremacy of Christ, there are commands that believers should follow. Not in their own strength, because you can't, but in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here are the commands, verse 17. There's two. Have confidence or obey your leaders and submit to their authority. I'm going to read that a little bit slower, okay? I love this passage. And you will too. Because if you obey this passage, it is of great benefit to you. So read along with me, quiet, just quietly. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Now, I think the writer is talking about the elders and the pastors of the church. But what we're going to do today is we're really going to focus in on pastor next, on the new pastor, new lead pastor that God is bringing to Paseo del Rey. I don't know his name. I don't know where he lives. No one does, but God does. And I'm going to, I want to apply this passage to your next lead pastor because, oh, no, go, go back. I'm sorry. Let, I want you to let him pastor you with joy. Because the more joy he has as he pastors you, the better it will be for you. That's what the Bible says. I don't say that. Pastor Next doesn't say that. That's what the Bible says. So let's read it again slowly. Obey your leaders. Just think of Pastor Next and submit to his authority because he keeps watch over you. He shepherds you. As one, I'm changing it to the singular, I know. As one who must give an account. Do this. What's the this that we're to do? We're to obey and submit to pastor next. Do this so that his work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. Now, so that you, if you want to go to sleep, here's what I want to say. The message is longer, but if you need a rest, I just want to tell you, the more you make Pastor Next's life joyful, the more beneficial it will be to you in your spiritual growth. And the inverse is true. The more you make Pastor Next groan, because <laughs> that's what the word really means, the more you make him moan, under the burden and the pressure, the poor your spiritual life will go. I'm not making it up, and I have no benefit in this game at all, right? Okay, so let's take a look at this. Let's think about this. Uh, so there's two commands here. Okay, Tracy, we're ready for the two commands. Obey your new pastor. By the way, this is not a suggestion. It's in the original language. There's an imperative way, a way to know that something is a command. This is in the imperative. Obey your new pastor and, what's the second one? Submit to your new pastor. So that nobody, nobody misses this, let's read them together, okay? Here are the two commands for Paseo del Rey Church toward your new pastor. Let's read them. One, obey your new pastor to submit to your new pastor. Hallelujah. Man, that is great, isn't it? Sermon's over. N not quite. So what are some synonyms for obey and submit? Help me out here. I didn't have time to stick. What? 
Honor. Come on, synonyms. Respect. Follow. What else? Come on, come on. What is it? Submit. Yeah, I love it. I love to emphasize that one. What is it? Argue with him? Somebody say argue with him? That's a spiritual gift, by the way, isn't it? Yeah. Now, what are some others? Come on, you know. Encourage. Love. Trust. Enjoy. Have confidence in. Pray for, right? This is what we're to do to pe- toward pastor next. Now, not blindly, okay? This guy is not God. I promise you that. The last guy wasn't God. You know that. The next guy's not going to be God. Don't do it blindly. Do it with your eyes wide open and your finger in the text, right? Don't, don't, don't do it stupidly, but do it intelligently. Submit and obey him. Do it intelligently with your eyes and your finger in the text. Don't get infatuated and carried away with the latest trends and the newest word from God, but with your eyes and your finger in the text, because there's a danger of that, isn't there? That's why in verse, um, go back to verse 9, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. All kinds of, there are all kinds of weird teachings in the Christian community, aren't there? You just turn your television. Don't turn your television on on Sunday mornings. It's the worst thing you could do, I think, because there's so many weird stuff out there on the, on the television, and, and, and that's some of the strange teaching. We've got to, we don't just follow a leader blindly or unintelligently or get infatuated. You know, there's preaching out there that if you have enough faith, then your life will go well, and you have a lot of money, and your health will be fine. That's strange teaching. That's, that's heretical teaching. Or, or there's kind of some weird authoritarianism out there where the pastor becomes your daddy, your pastor is not your daddy. Your daddy is your daddy. Your pastor is not your daddy. And if your pastor starts telling you what books to read, your pastor starts to tell you uh, where to spend your money, and what school only, and I'm talking exclusively, right? You can only go to this school, and this is the only Bible, the weird stuff like that. No, no, don't follow that. But as much as you can, submit and obey wisely. Uh, you know, you know there's, there, there's, that, there, there's this, uh, some pastors have this new secret deeper teaching from God. This new word from God that's not found in the Bible. It's about the Bible and it has, it, it kind of is around the Bible, but it's not the scriptures. Um, I think of, um, I think of someone, there, there's, this, there's kind of a thing out there now about numerology. Some of you have read about it on the internet. And that, that all the Hebrew letters in the Hebrew alphabet, they all have a num- numerical value. You know, alpha is, is one and beta is two and so and so and so. Like, I don't know any more Hebrew letters. So, but I know the numbers, three, four, five. And so what you can do is like, if you look at the first letter, first letter in every book, in the, in the chapter, in, in, in the book of Genesis, and you put those letters together, there's a secret message there. N- no, there's not. You think God would do that? Well, and if you look at it upside down, you see another message about who to vote for. I heard about a guy, I'm just making this up, but I heard about a guy who um, was on a Sunday afternoon was trying to figure out today where to go to, go to lunch after church. 
And so he said, well, what's the date? What month is this, by the way? July, seventh month. So I'm going to look at the seventh letter in each sentence. And what da- what's the date today? The eighth for eight books in the book of Genesis and see what it comes up. And he did it, and it came out Chick-fil-A. <laughs> God had spoken to him. Oh, but wait a minute. Chick-fil-A's not open on Sunday. Oh, so he turned his Bible upside down, and it said Rubio's. Okay, be careful. That's weird. But it's being taught in churches, not Chick-fil-A. Well, Chick-fil-A is taught in some churches, but, but this kind of weird stuff, right? Right, right. I had someone just recently tell me about um, um, Isaiah chapter 45, and he said, you know, he says that describes our president. I said, the president of the city council or, or, or which president? He said, no, President Trump. He said, that describes President Trump. I said, why, is, why do you think that? He says, he's the 45th president. Uh-huh. And, and the chapters of the Bible are the numbers that were added hundreds of years later. They're inspired too. Oh, read chapter 45. It's all about President Trump and how God has put him in this place for this time. That's strange teaching, right? Right? Be careful. So you don't follow a pastor blindly or unintelligently. But what do you do? You, as you followed me and as you follow any pastor, you, you become Bereans. Remember in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 11? Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness. Yeah, you have. That, you know what? That brings great joy to a pastor's heart is to see Bibles open all around the church. To see people underlining things in their Bible. So that as they go home from church, they can preach the message back to themselves. The, the, be like, you have been like Bereans, Paseo del Rey. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures. That's what you do every day to see if what Paul said was true. They kept their eyes open and their finger in the text. And when your pastor does that, then you obey him and you submit to him. Be re, you'll, be re, uh, uh, you'll be responsive to the vision and the ideas that God has given him. You'll listen and act to his counsel and, and, and act on his counsel. You'll knock yourselves out to join the road of the, new, the vision that God has given him and the elders of this church. So why should you do this with your pastor? Isn't he just a regular, fallible person? Absolutely. You know that well. Very fallible. He's just a regular person like you, saved by grace, But there's something unique about your new pastor. There's something unique about this pastor. There is something unique about every pastor that God puts his hand on and calls to a local church. There's something very unique. And it is that one day, God is going to give me a report card about how I shepherded every single one of you. (laughs) I wish. I one day, and Pastor Next, one day will have to give an accounting 
for every pastoral conversation, for every sermon preached, for every relationship preached. And that is a scary thing. And when your pastor understands that, he pastors you in a different way. He, he says the hard thing when the hard thing needs to be said. He says the encouraging thing when the encouraging thing must be said. He confronts when confrontation is what is needed. He encourages you along when encouragement is what is needed. He keeps his finger in the text and tells you not what he says, but what God says. You see, that's what, that's what in the middle of verse 17, he says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. And I want to tell you this, that I will have a conversation with your new pastor. That's in the plans, and wherever he is, and I will lovingly but sternly remind him of this charge from God, that one day he must give an account, just like I must, for each and every one of you. Perhaps this is why James says not many, many of you should become teachers. Not many of you should become leaders. And there's a little bit of a trend nowadays that people, oh, everybody's a pastor, everybody's a missionary. <laughs> I don't think everybody wants to be a pastor or a missionary. When you understand the implications, that the, call, that the pastor is not above anyone else or better than anyone else. It's simply that God has uniquely called him, and he's gone through rigorous training and study of the Scriptures, and understanding of the Scriptures, and then he is examined by other church leaders thoroughly and in depth, and then he is affirmed or credentialed or ordained because of the height of the calling. All of us are ministers. You know, we, our, our culture is obsessed with equalness, and I don't think that's a godly thing. Oh, are, are, are we all of greatest value to God? Absolutely. But there are different roles and different callings and different levels of training that God calls different people in the church. The Bible's full of that. And, and, and I, I don't think everybody, everybody wants, or not everybody, some people want that title of pastor, but they don't want the responsibility that goes along with it. And your next lead pastor will have that high accountability. You, you need to know that we pastors work under the direct and strict supervision of God himself. And one day, we will all have to give an account of how we pastor the sheep that God has put under us. Let me tell you, let me, let's go forward in the text. Do this, obey and submit. Do this so that your new pastor's work will be a joy not a burden. That word burden can mean a groaning, a moaning, a drudgery. And, and I just need to tell you, some people think that groan-inducing is a spiritual gift. Ha haven't found it in the Bible. I've read my Bible. I haven't found it there, in fact. You know, you know there's some people, how can I rain on his parade? How can I withhold encouragement from him? How can I just be waiting to say, I told you that plan wouldn't work. You know, if, if, if that's who you are, your life will go poorly. 
That's what the writer of Hebrews says. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For, it's the same word that's the word because earlier in the sentence. Because that would be of no benefit to you. That word no benefit can mean disastrous for you. You ought to listen up to what the writer of Hebrews, God is saying through the writer of Hebrews here. You want your life to go well to be beneficial and not be a disaster, obey and submit yourself to the authority of the pastors that God has put over, that their work might be, uh, you, be that their work might be a joy, might be a joy. Now, I'm going to bring this now down to some real practical applications. I want to say first, you have made April and I's life a joy. You will get the A+. Plus. Oh, there's been a few groanings. <laughs> there's been a few times when I've left here, just like you. Oh, and a drudgery and a pain, but they have been so incredibly rare. Paseo del Rey Church, you get an A-plus in bringing joy to your pastor and his wife and his family. And so, as I t talk, I'll be talking about another church the people in another church uh, here as we kind of really get practical. Now, you might feel your toes are stepped on. That's okay. So here's, I'm going I'm to give you 10 things, 10 things, 10 ways you can bring great joy to your pastor. Great joy to your pastor. And there's a billion, but I just narrowed it down to 10. And let's see, what time? I'm going to make sure we're out of here by noon. I have five minutes after 11. So we're doing great on time. We're just going to be just fine. So... That's the last time you'll ever hear that joke. And if you've been around here 39 years, you've heard it about 39 times, right? Yeah. <laughs> Next week, we were going to have the Barely Adequate Band lead us in worship. <laughs> we were, but now I'm going to sing next week. <laughs> okay, so here's 10 things of ways that you can make your pastor's ministry here more joyful. How you can let him pastor you with joy. The first thing is talk a lot about your new lead pastor behind his back. That's the first one. To your heavenly father. Talk behind your new lead pastor's back all the time to your heavenly father. Pray for him encourage, uh, ask him how you can pray for him. I, I, I just want to tell you, um, and again, see, this is a little easier for me to say now than it was a year ago or 30 years ago. This is a lot easier for me to say. But pastoring is a, is a happy job, but it's a hard job. It's like being, a, I've, I've, I've equated to being like a fireman. I've equated to be like a fireman, but you never get days off. And you're always waiting for the alarm to go off in the middle of the night. I can't tell you how many times April has said you need to go, even though we had other plans or we were sleeping bad. It's a hard job. It's a happy job, you can tell. <laughs> but it's a hard job. And only the pastor's wife and their kids know how many hours, 
how many hours a week you put in. You do it because God's called you to it, and there's joy. Pray, talk a lot about your pastor behind his back to your heavenly father, right? Pray for him and encourage him. Get rid of this gift of spirit, this spiritual gift of criticism. I remember uh, when we were at the women's club was where we, we, when we first came to the church, we were meeting at the women's club and it was smaller and we had a small group of people. And when a guest came, uh, you always knew there was a guest, it was a guest, right? Because they stuck out. Everybody knew everybody. And this new couple came in and sat right where Jared and Janelle are, right there. But the pulpit was like right here. It was just awesome. And they came and sat right down in the front. Now, Jared would never, ever do this. I guarantee you, he'd never, ever do this, ever. So I'm preaching. I'm just, I'm thinking, oh, a new couple. I mean, our church had grown by 30%, just like, just that day. This new couple. Do you have kids? Oh, 40% growth, you know? It was awesome. So, man, I just preached my heart out. And he got his Bible open. And after the sermon's over, I, 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 you know, they're right there. So I went right up to him. And Jared and Janelle would never do this. He stands up. He's about nine foot tall. Thought it was Goliath for a second. And he looks down at me. I said, hi, I'm Pastor Gary. That was the worst sermon I've ever heard in my life. That was 39 years ago. And I've thought back about quick lines to say back to him. And the best one would have been, oh, no, it wasn't. You should have been here last week. <laughs> And I, this guy had a gift, right? A gift at right out of hell. And I, I and I did I did have I did have the guts to say to the guy, that's not appropriate. And if you'd like to talk about this another time, that'd be fine. And I just turned and left. And then I went, oh! <laughs> you, you know, you know, your new pastor is going to come, and 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 there's going to be things that you don't care about about him. I got three theological words for you. Get over it. Those are biblical words somewhere in the Bible there. They're, they're good over there. You know, you know what encouraged me so much is, is I've got a couple of brothers who text me regularly and ask me how to pray for me. They text me regularly and ask me how, to, how they can pray for me and for April and our kids. And I've got other people that come up to me and say from time to time, they'll say, we pray for you every day at our house. That brings great joy to a pastor's heart. And the more joy you bring to your pastor's heart, what does the text tell us? Do this, obey and submit. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Bring him all the joy you can. Let him pastor you with joy. Okay, that's the first one. All of them won't be that long. Here's the second one. Give gossip the big kiss off. Okay? Just... Today, just when you walk out of this church, just kiss gossip goodbye, all right? Don't entertain negative or neutral talk about your new pastor. Because a lot of times we use neutral talk to get gossip going, right? Well, hmm, what'd you think about that sermon today? Well, you know where that's going, don't you? Well, it's neutral, but you know where it's going. Just kiss that gossip Goodbye. Say goodbye to it. Uh, here, here's what you don't want to have happen in a church here. Um, yeah. You pr probably don't want that to happen in a church. That will not bring joy to your pastor whatsoever, right? Right? Um, and, and look at this verse from the book of Proverbs. The Lord hates a person who stirs up conflict among brothers. That's pretty strong language. The Lord hates 
doesn't dislike, isn't irritated by. He hates a person. You know, sometimes we say, oh, the Lord hates sin but loves a sinner. I'm not sure that that's really good theology. I, I haven't found it in my Bible. And this verse, in fact, says the opposite, doesn't it? The Lord hates a person, or the man in the Hebrew, who stirs up a conflict among brothers. Man, just kiss gossip goodbye. Now, if something's bugging you, and it will, get over it. He's human. You don't like his shirts? Get over it. You don't like that he sometimes says you and I when he should say you and me? Go back to eighth grade English and just get over it. It's fine. Um, you don't like the way he clears his throat or, or his new vision? Man, these are things that will make a pastor feel discouraged and burdened. Instead, what's Ephesians 4, 2 say? I love this. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient with your pastor next, bearing with one another in love. And, and now, again, remember, we, we submit and obey intelligently. If it's heresy, that's another issue. But usually in a church, it's not heresy. It's, it, as I joked a couple of weeks ago, it's the new name he gives to growth groups. Or the new times for worship services. Or the new color that they paint up here in the front. You know, it's not heresy. It's personal preference. And I think there's a verse that talks about that. Um, Ephesians, or Philippians 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. I think our personal preferences, we can get so caught up in them that they become our selfish ambitions. This is the way I want church to be. Or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to each of, but to each of, but each of you to the interests of others. And, and I think there's an interesting thing that happens in any church, and it happens in our church, is all each of us, from where we sit and the growth group we're in and the friends that we hang out with, we have, we look at the pie that's the church, and we think we've got a pretty good handle on it. We think we know what the church needs. And if the church just did this, then this would happen. Or if the church didn't do this, then this is what would happen. And we think that we kind of have a, a quite a view because when we talk to our friends, they agree with us. Yeah, if they wouldn't do that at the church, then it would be a lot better church. Or if they would do this at the church. The problem is we think everybody in the church is thinking the same thing. But we live in silos, don't we? And it's my four friends who think that. But because we echo around, we live in this echo chamber with each other. We think everybody thinks that. And I think we all need to realize that each of us only sees a small slice of the pie. And we need to be willing to look out not only for our interests or what we think is the, the very best for the church, but to listen to others who have other perspectives. There's no one, not, I don't, although I think I do sometimes, I don't, I don't know the whole pie. Neither do you. We need to be gentle with each other in some of those things. So, um, so kiss, uh, so kiss uh, 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 gossip goodbye, okay? Oh, and I just want to say this too. Your pastor is going to be wrong sometimes, and it's okay to love him and speak to him about that, but just do it as a learner. Do it gently. Now, here's the third one. This is a little bit touchy, and, and I don't want this to happen, but if any time in your life, if you're going to leave a church for some reason, don't just leave. Why? 
because that pastor is accountable for you. Well, he didn't call me when I left. Well, there are a couple of other people, too, in the church, and there's two services, and it's April will say to me, which service do they go to? I said, I can't keep track of stuff like that. I'm sorry. And, and, and people think we can read their minds sometimes. They think pastors are mind readers. If, if God ever leads you to leave a church, here, here's what I think you ought to do. I think you ought to go talk to the, elder, the pastor and the elders of the church and say, you're my authority. You're my spiritual leaders. You're going to have to give account for me. Here's what I'm thinking. Come, come in as a learner. Not, don't come in and say, we're leaving well, you haven't been submissive to the leaders. If you come in with an attitude like that, so come and speak. And there are times when it's appropriate to leave. But let me just say this, because this is something that is, frankly has hurt me and hurt many other pastors, is you wait till the pastor goes on vacation and then you leave. And, and you see, the problem with that is that's so emotionally immature. You know, I want to, you know, like I just want to go out the back door, Right? Because I don't want to have to face the difficulty and the emotion here. Don't, don't ever just go out the back door. Because then what happens the next time I see that person, they just left. They don't return phone calls. And, and then I run into them at Chipotle. What am I supposed to? Or Chick-fil-A, I meant. Because uh, <laughs> that's what the seventh and the eighth verses say, the numbers. Uh, what am I supposed to say? Uh... See, it's just emotionally, there's no closure on that. There's no healthiness in that. So talk to us. Talk to your, your new pastor if at some point, and I just pray that doesn't happen. But I don't think we ever talk about that in a church. How to leave a church well. Leave well. Leave really well. There's healthy ways to leave churches. I'm doing it. Right? <laughs> Never thought of that. I'm just going to wait till I'm on vacation and then leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you very much for that. Okay. Here's, here's number five. This is going to step on a couple toes. And I'm, so I'm going to keep looking down here when I say this one. Enjoy a seat upgrade. Enjoy a seat upgrade. Don't sit in the back row. That's what I'm saying. Now, today's fine, and I'm talking about another church down the street over here, right? Let me just tell you why. A couple reasons. When, when you come and plop down in the back row, and there's like all kinds of seats in front of you, it's like the pastor thinks, the guy doesn't like me back there very much. <laughs> I'm leaving, <laughs> Linda. <laughs> It's like the guy doesn't like me. And he's, oh, it's too loud up there. You know what? It's not much louder up here than it is back there. It's loud. That's the way we worship. So, so now, if you have a, like a health need that, I don't know what it would be. You need brain surgery every two minutes or something. It's okay to sit back there. But, but otherwise, and it, it, it's discouraging to a pastor. It's not just to me, but it's discouraging to a pastor. And then here's what happens. Then when a guest comes, and let's say they come a couple minutes late because they don't know the system like you do. Then the ushers have to bring them down right down here to the front row, and they have to sit in the front row. Just think how awkward that is for the guests. That's weird. Let them have the back row seats, okay? So give yourself a seat upgrade because it'll bring great, great joy to your pastor, 
and that'll make life better for you. Isn't that what the passage says? That's what the passage is. Oh, oh, yeah. And he does, he will want to get to know you by name. But remember, he needs to learn 350 names. You only need to learn one. So be graceful with him, and you will be. Make it joyful for him. Remind him of your name. And I'm talking about a year from, I'm serious. How does someone learn 350 names in a year? And he's going to probably call some of you by the wrong name several times. I did it. I still do it. Like June, I mean April over here. Some, <laughs> some, we've been married 41 years. She's still patient with me most of the time. Okay, here's the next one. So, so give, him, give him some slack there. Uh, here's the seventh one, if you're counting. Be as friendly to guest as, guests as you are to your own, to your own friends. Be as... Be as uh, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm only on number four. I was just teasing with you guys. Um, oh, here's, here's, here's one. Be his biggest fan even when he swings and misses. And he will. Oh, of course he will. I do. I still do. And you have been so graceful to April and me just over and over and over again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Be that graceful to your next lead pastor. Uh, 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 this, this happens to pastors sometimes. It occurs to Reverend Billings in the middle of point two that point three totally misses the, the point entirely. That happens sometimes in life, doesn't it? Not just in preaching. It happens in life. You're having an argument with your wife, and you can't remember what your last nine points were and how it all fits together, right? right, right? You've been so good. So even when he swings and misses, it's okay. Kindness and forgiveness. Give him a pass over and over. Don't keep, don't keep count of balls and strikes on our next league pass. You haven't done that with us. Thank you. Thank you. So be as friendly to guests as you are to your good friends. One thing that makes pastors groan is to be standing here talking to someone, and they look out on the patio, and there's a, there's a family out there kind of standing by themselves, like maybe they're newer, not sure. You're not always sure, but they're standing by themselves. And to watch three of our families walk right by them and just, like, give them the ignore. Oh, that makes a pastor groan. Man, we're a family. We want to connect. And it's not just the pastor that needs to connect. And you guys have been good at that. But we need to be better at that. Or to, to have someone seated uh, behind you or next to you and, and to see them be there alone. It's hard to be in a new church. It's hard to be the guest. and be, You feel a little bit awkward. So be, be as friendly to people that you don't know their name. That's why we do these silly things. You think I like these things? I don't like these things at all. But... They help us to connect in relationship so I, can go, so I can easily go up to someone, say, hi, I don't think I remember you. I don't think I know who you are. And you start that conversation. So be as friendly to guests. That'll make your pastor smile. And then here's number eight of 42. Challenge him. Cha you want to see your pastor light up? Challenge him to challenge you. Say to your pastor, Pastor, I want to be fully transformed in the image of Jesus Christ. I want to be a disciple of, your, of Jesus. Pastor, would you challenge me to grow? Would you use his word to challenge my fears? Would you use his word to challenge my prejudices? Would you, challenge, would you use God's word to challenge me about how I use my money? Would you challenge me uh, from God's word about my bitterness in my marriage? Would you challenge me about 
um, uh, about what I think about migrants and about immigrants and about those seeking asylum in our country. Would you, would you conv- speak to me from God's word of how I should act to those who have no voice? Would you speak to me about my involvement in the church, my involvement in, in, in groups, about the idols in my life, about my self-centeredness, about my sexism or my racism or my criticalness or my laziness or my apathy? Pastor, would you challenge me to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? And that pastor will just come unglued with joy and he will help you as I hope I have, to help you to grow to be more and more of that follower of Jesus Christ. Challenge him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay. Amen. Thank you. All right. Well, believe that God has called Pastor Nix to be that shepherd in your life. Believe that. Okay, here's number nine. Embrace him. Embrace him. Embrace him. Don't forget me. <laughs> a little worried about that. I am. Uh, you will. You will. I, I'm, I am worried about that. You know, you know. But embrace him. I want you to embrace him and love him. So, you know, one of the things that's going to mean is because he needs to be your next lead pastor. One of the things that's going to mean is I'm going to be backing out of caring for you as your shepherd. I'll never stop loving you, and I'll never stop praying for you. But if I'm continually involved in your lives, in ministry-wise, in shepherding-wise, then he will never be able to become the pastor that God has called him to be in your lives. Embrace him. It'll be hard for you It'll be hard for me. It'll be hard for April. We'll still see you. I'm going to send out tweets and stuff. Hey, I'm going to be at Starbucks Friday at 7. <laughs> if you happen to stop by, you, hey, there's so-and-so, right? right? And that's okay. But embrace him dearly. But no, we'll never stop loving and praying for you. And then here's the 10th one. Expect. It's, it's, it's the song we sang just before, the two songs we sang before, the message began, expect the Holy Spirit to blow in a fresh new way in Paseo del Rey. It'll be different. Praise God. Be, be open to the Spirit's blowing in a fresh new way and respond. Don't sit there, arms crossed, well, prove it to me, show me. I'm going to make you work for it. Oh, get rid of that. None of you have that. But just make sure you don't settle into something like that. Say, God, do your new thing in my life and do your new thing in the life of Paseo del Rey. Let Pastor Next pastor you with joy. That's what April and I are praying for you. Because what does the passage say? Obey your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Jesus, may we 
obey your word, all of it. For man does not live on bread alone, but man lives on every word of God. Every word of God. Jesus, would you empower us? We are incapable of obeying you on our own. And so we ask Jesus that you would, as you have loved us and as you have empowered us now with your Holy Spirit, that our, resp- that, that our obedience would be in response to all that you have done in us and for us and through us. And it would be empowered by you. Jesus, I pray that Paseo Del Rey Church lets Pastor Next pastor them with great joy. In Jesus' name, amen.